Hello, tentative listener. We are pushing back our normally scheduled podcast in support of the protests this week and the Black community as a whole. To give space for their words, their actions, and all of our grieving caused by the killing of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor. Too many of the members of the Black community have lost their lives through racial injustice. For those that are mourning and for those that are fighting for equality, we see you, we love you, and we support you. Black culture matters. Black communities matter. Black lives matter. The systemic racism that plagues our nation needs to come to an end. We've included a short list of resources in the show notes of ways each of us can take action. We ask everyone to research ways to get involved in a way they feel they can have the biggest impact. What follows is an episode of our sister podcast, Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots, with Gareth Burroughs, focusing on removing unconscious bias from a hiring flow and the importance of diversity at every level of a company. Fighting for equality falls on each of us, regardless of race or position, to work together to fight racism and unequal treatment. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Chad Pytel, and with me today is Gareth Burrows, co-founder and head of product and marketing at The Tech Connection. Gareth, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. So before we get too far, why don't you give folks an overview of what The Tech Connection is? So the Tech Connection is a diversity sourcing tool that helps tech companies, not just tech companies, but any company diversify their innovation team. Mm -hmm. So that means anybody from digital marketers, software engineers, developers, anybody who builds up an innovation team, Mm -hmm. uh, we help to diversify that team for your company. And is it a digital tool? Actually, yes, it's an application that you can go on and sign up and use. Mm-hmm. We actually moving on to our, our second version of it now, um, where we're helping employers to actually automatically just upload their job descriptions right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they'll actually get notifications whenever candidates are interested from them. Cool. So I want to dig into the history a little bit of the Tech Connection because you're head of product and marketing. Mm-hmm. You're a co-founder. Yes. How did you get started? So the Tech Connection actually is a brainchild of my co-founder, Melissa James, who was a recruiter at Google and actually realized the diversity problem that she was having while recruiting. And she came up with this idea that how she could find candidates really based not just on their resumes, but based on the candidate's strengths. And so using that methodology, she sought out other people to help myself and my third co-founder, Frank Deffy, to help and build this out. At that time, there were no recruiting tools like that that took in personality types and strengths to determine what job or company that you should go to. And when she approached me, I thought this was a no-brainer. And that's mm-hmm. how I jumped on the team um, a few months after she started. And so we, we started building out the application, talking to candidates, trying to find out what would really work for them, and then talking to employers as to what they're looking for. What were the pain points? How important was diversity for them? And that's how we started to really building out the tool and working more from a recruiter standpoint, moving slowly into applications. Mm -hmm. Before joining you were at HubSpot. Yes. 
don't take this wrong way. You, I noticed you were only there 10 months. Yeah. So was it that you moved on so quickly because of this opportunity and how exciting it was to you? Yeah. So actually been working with her prior to that. Oh, and okay. so we're building this and moonlighting while doing it and mm-hmm. realizing that having one co-founder really working on something. Uh, you move slowly, but it's not really going to work, and especially not the technical co-founder. So we needed more of the technical team to start really pushing and working to making sure our application was going to be out there mm-hmm. and ready as we moved from the MVP. And so we just had to make a decision. And I decided being the head of product, working with our engineering team and working with the business team as somebody in product, it was the best way to do that transition. Mm-hmm. Now, have you taken funding? We have one investor at this time, but mainly it's been bootstrapped. Uh, We've been mainly bootstrapping. How intentional is that choice? Originally, it was intentional. We wanted to build it out, actually see if they're, you know, what the market was. But we're actually starting to look now for fundraising. Our first investor was a client of ours who actually used it and loved it. And when we spoke, you know, he kind of dived in and was like, hey, I want to invest Mm -hmm. um, into you guys. And that's kind of what happened first. We weren't really seeking investment at the time. And now to actually get that exponential growth, we're going to Mm -hmm. look for that sort of funding. Yeah. I could be wrong, but traditionally, like recruiting companies or Mm -hmm. staffing companies or people who help fill positions hasn't been, it's an area where the returns would be such that a VC, it's sort of like consulting. There aren't many, if any, VC-backed consulting companies because the scale and the returns that they, but I think there's been some like hired and that kind of thing that have broken that mold. They've obviously, they've taken a lot of money, they've scaled a lot. And so I think people are more comfortable with that idea that you can build a scalable business. Right. And that's one of the big challenges that we have. And we're actually looking to move from that consultancy base, that service base into fully application. And so our application, how it's different and how we do it is we taking what that first phone call from a recruiter would be. So when we thought about it, we took in, when you call a candidate, Mm -hmm. do you do hiring? We don't do outbound calls like that. Well, not necessarily outbound, but when you talk to Mm -hmm. a a candidate, you bring them in, first thing you want to know is, tell me about yourself. That's the number one question we realize everybody asks. Mm -hmm. Then tell me about experiences that are related to this job. So we want to take that sort of repetitive questioning. How do we turn that into a a process that makes it easy? Which is why when a candidate goes into our platform, they do a personality assessment. Not necessarily to dig deep into their personality, but let's see where they lie on the scale of intro to extrovert. Because Mm -hmm. what do we know is true? We know that introverts they don't like being around a lot of people all the time. So being maybe in a startup environment where they're always around a lot of people, being around the people, that drains them. And so they're not going to want to be there much longer. Not that they can't handle it, but they're going to go home every day super exhausted. Mm-hmm. Unlike an extrovert who you put them in a large corporation behind a desk where they're by themselves, they're harassing everybody and people are going to be like, well, this guy's <laughs> annoying. And so we find that out first, take those traits so we know what size company that you should be going to. Mm-hmm. And then we also ask the candidate, tell us a project that you've done 
that's relatable to what you're looking for. So when you look on a profile on, on our platform, you already know that this candidate fits here. You already know a project that they've already done. And for some candidates, we have a technical test so they can actually take that. And so they know that, okay, they have some sort of skill because one of the things also that happens is that people say they code Java and then you mm-hmm. get them in the interview and you're like, wait, I thought you, you said you knew this. Right. And so there is a base that for every hiring, recruiting manager, or just recruiter you know in confidence that if they give you this candidate they fit they have something they can talk about with you and they have the skills to back it mm-hmm. and so by taking all of that that's how we made our profiles and then our algorithm in the background then uses that to match you to companies mm-hmm. unlike a LinkedIn or Monster or Indeed what you're going to see instead of what we call the hope and pray method which is a thousands of candidates you're really going to see about 100 candidates. Mm-hmm. And that's because we've already filtered the candidates. And every day you're going to go back, you'll see different candidates in there just because the algorithm is working to pull the best candidates for you. Yeah. So everything that you just described seems generally useful to hiring anybody. Yep. But Tech Connection focuses on candidates that are going to bring more diversity to yep. the company. We mainly focus on people of color, women, LGBTQ, veterans, people with disabilities. And although, yes, it can be used mainstream, we wanted to focus on those people at first because they're disenfranchised when it comes to innovation teams. Mm-hmm. And so what we do for our pool is when we source, we source for those sort of individuals. So when you use our database, you're going to mainly get persons, either a person of color, somebody who's a woman, who's a veteran, somebody who belongs to the LGBTQ community or somebody who has a disability. Mm -hmm. And so what we really want to get at is if you're going to look at 20 candidates, we want to make sure that if you use our tool, that you have some diversity in it. Think about it as the Rooney rule. Mm -hmm. So you know that once you go in there, you use a tech connection tool, you're going to have a diverse slate. So you know that you were able to talk to some diverse candidates. And that's really what we want to get. We want to get people to be able to play in the game. Because one of the things we did when we were building this application and talking to candidates is that they didn't know or their resumes were lost in the sea of candidates. And that's why we focused really on them. Mm -hmm. That's what motivates a candidate to put themselves in the database? Absolutely. Because one of the things that you will look at when they look at any of these job boards is that, one, there's thousands of jobs on it. Two, you've heard about people switching their resumes and doing things so that they can get chosen through the applicant tracking systems. Mm How do they stand out? And this application is going to be that champion that helps them to stand out among the thousands of people who are there. And especially when you look at diverse individuals, one of the things is that you don't have that many going to those Ivy League schools or the big name schools. That's why when we source, we usually go to two-year colleges, diversity professional groups. That's where we really find a lot of our candidates to put in our database. That's because we know that those candidates, when they go up against somebody who, for example, went to Bunker Hill Community College, and you put them against somebody who went to BC or Harvard or whatever, any employer is going to choose the school. But that doesn't really tell if that person fits. Because as I described before, there's things that go into it, whether it be their personality type, what they've done. You know, you talk about their perseverance, their grit. How much will this person go out and really solve the problem that you're looking for? And that's really what we want to get across. Yeah. 
So you mentioned like making sure that you have diverse candidates in your pool, but there's also the issue of unconscious bias in mm. resume screening, like you said, yep. around schools. Yep. That's why at ThoughtBot, we actually don't display school. So we have a blind initial screening. Nice. And it removes names. It just shows years of experience, not where you've worked, because mm-hmm. we don't want the companies that you worked at to necessarily influence that initial screening. Mm-hmm. And doesn't show the schools. It only shows the degrees that you have, because we don't want the names of schools to influence that's very similar to what we have to. Mm. Well, I was going to say, we searched for a tool, mm-hmm. an applicant tracking system that would do that for us, and we, we couldn't find one. There's almost nothing on the market. And our does tool that. does that. <laughs> yeah. So when you go into our platform and you're looking at candidates' names, you're going to notice that we don't have names. So if you go into our platform, it's initials, because one of the things we know that names could be a big giveaway, gender, ethnicity, so you don't have names. Mm -hmm. We don't have schools, and we don't have pictures. So when you're going in, the algorithm, as I said, is going to show you the best candidates. You will go in and engage with the candidates, and then after engaging with the candidate, you'll be able to see the resume and everything else that you're going to need. But initially, what we want to do is that unconscious bias of looking for people, because we know the truth is, no matter who you are, you're going to want to gravitate towards people who are like you. Mm -hmm. And eliminating that and having that blind aspect in our tool really helps people to go in and just speak to any candidate that really fits them. Yeah, that's great. So recruiting is obviously important, but how do you then make sure that the companies that they're going to mm-hmm. are going to actually retain them and be an inclusive environment for them? So we do have a candidate success aspect mm-hmm. where we do have relationships with candidates. We talk to them. We have a change maker connection chat where we're able to sit down with the candidates, have these conversations, because one of the things is that my co-founder is really interested in from her recruiting day is connecting with those candidates. And so we have these chats all the time. We call candidates to make sure everything is all right. When they join our mailing list, we give them information about what to do, how do you move up internally. We also have workshops for employers. If you want to do that as an aspect um, of our tool where you can become an ally, a trailblazer, we give you information as to what to do when you have this diverse candidate in there, how to treat them, developing a growth plan. Um, One of the things that we've realized for every candidate is that a lot of times you just drop them right into the water. There is no real growth plan. Where are you going to go from here? And especially if you go into an aspect where there is nobody who looks like you or, you know, you're in a different place, it's very hard to know where you want to go. So having that growth plan and telling employers to have this growth plan for these candidates really helps candidates strive within the company Mm -hmm. for somewhere they want to go. So that's some of the ways we help employers and help candidates after they've actually gone into the company. I have to admit, this is one of the areas where I've learned over the years, you know, used to be, and and still is to a certain extent, that at ThoughtBot, we have a very loose structure where you make your job to be what you want it to be. That's cool. But it's cool, but it can be very difficult for Mm -hmm. some people who aren't operating in that environment. But what I didn't appreciate, because I started the company when I was a 23-year-old straight white male, (laughs) surrounded by other young (laughs) straight white males, that's a very comfortable environment for me when everyone looks like me and we all have those same expectations and the world, you know, is all open in front of us. But 
that's very difficult for people who are historically underrepresented in tech. It's also more difficult now. Like Thoughtbot's not the same as it was when yep. we were <laughs> 10 people. Yes. So it's very different for people for all different kinds of ways. And in order to have a more inclusive environment where everyone can bring their whole self to work, you just have to provide more structure than I had empathy for because I didn't need it. No, absolutely. And that is the problems that we find a lot of companies running into. So at the beginning, just as you said, you know, you're choosing people like you. Mainly, you know, you start a company, you're starting friends. And it's people who are around you. And what happens is as you grow, I know people like to use referrals, but the problems with that is that you usually refer friends or people like you. Yeah. And so why you want to kind of break that is that you don't want to run into an incident that other major tech companies have run into, that once they've gotten to this huge size, because they have a certain culture that started when they were small or because they didn't diversify, they have an issue once they're not. I know you're paying millions of dollars mm. to correct this issue mm. when you could have had the Tech Connection product from the beginning <laughs> yeah. and solve that. But um, seriously, you could have addressed the culture from early and not run into that. And that's why we believe companies, once you're starting to hit your stride, get to about mid-size, diversity is something that you need to look into. We know that for a lot of companies, it's, it's a nice feel, it's a nice to have, but we think it's more than a nice to have. It's a necessity, and you don't want to wait until it's costing you millions of dollars, you have a PR issue before you, you really tackle it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said before on this show in an episode a while ago where someone asked me what my biggest regret was or mm -hmm. mistake was. And I've said before that my biggest mistake was not having a more diverse team from the beginning. And it's I didn't even realize that it wasn't happening. So how um, do you guys tackle that now? That's what my privilege does. So I strongly believe that we need an inclusive environment for everybody so that even when we fix the problem of having a more diverse team, that we're then retaining where people can really be themselves at work and be fulfilled in their work. So we focus a lot on that. And then things like reducing bias in the interview process. So we have the blind screening that I mentioned. Once someone goes through initial screening blind, then people can see their full information, but no one can see previous feedback from the prior steps in the interview process. They can only know that, well, the person got a thumbs up and is mm -hmm. moving forward. And so I have to trust that the process is working and I'm not going to be influenced by prior people's comments. That's some of the features that we're looking to move mm -hmm. into the future. As you can see, there's different things that you can put into place, which makes, I would say, my job a little bit more difficult because it's understanding where to build enough barriers that you're still able to understand the person, but enough that you're not going to discriminate. Yeah. And so it's finding that nice middle that we're, we're always trying to find. In the research I've done, a big thing is a lot of companies, you know, they don't really have a rigorous interview process process. Mm -hmm. Everyone's sort of asking their own questions and whatever they want to ask at the time. Mm -hmm. And even if you have a set of standard questions, the feedback you're often collecting from interviews is just a text box where they type what they think about the person. Yep. And research has shown that we can remove bias 
from that process by having objective rubrics or scorecards that people fill out after the interview so that every candidate is being evaluated on the same things and that those things are actually important. So what can happen is a person underrepresented can do an interview and they'll be held to different standards than the other person who did the interview. And so scorecards help with that. So we've also implemented scorecards at every step of the interview process. Absolutely. We've seen other companies who've done scorecards. And another thing companies have also done is making sure that hiring team is diverse. So making Mm -hmm. sure one of the other persons, a woman or somebody from the LGBT community, a person of color, if they have that. And then having people explain why, okay, so you gave this person a five. Why did you give them a five? When people are having to justify it, it's more seated in logic and more seated in actually the skill aspect than, you know, I just think this is a better person because they went to Harvard or because they went to this school. It's like, no, he answered the question a lot more clearly. He was able to express himself better. And those are some of the things that you want to get towards understanding when you have a diversity and you understand people's stories better. One of the greatest stories that we had with a candidate who came through our program and used us was that they came here from Dominican Republic speaking Spanish. While at home, they were the one that tinkered with technology. Family encouraged them to go to college. They went up, you know, looking at BC, BU, all the other bigger colleges. It's way out their price range. So they end up going to Bunker Hill Community College, got themselves an associate degree. Now, we know that if you weren't looking for a candidate like that, you would look and if you heard him, you would probably say, well, this person doesn't know how to communicate properly. Well, he taught himself English. And so when you hear his full story, you understand that, wait, this person has a lot of grit. He has perseverance. You know, this is somebody who takes initiative. He's someone that if you tell him to do something, he'll find a way to do it because he's actually fought through than to say somebody else who's kind of had things a little bit more handed out to them. Mm -hmm. They're more looking for a handed out answer than anything else. Yeah. So your background is computer science. Yep. Are you still doing development? On the Tech Connection now? No, I don't code right now. And actually getting into product is the reason why I don't code anymore. Because originally, early in my career, I used to do development. Mm -hmm. And I fell into a number of projects where your requirements doc was an email. And it was, build me something that looks like this. And it was like, this can be it. And the frustration of going back and forth with whether it be management or whoever wants it, it was extremely frustrating. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I really was like, I want to move into a position where I have the ability to speak to engineers, but also have the ability to speak to business. And so that's how I got into product management, where I'm still able to speak to our engineers, understand when they talk about or our deck and our stack, what we're looking at, and then go ahead and talk to business when they're talking about, hey, this needs to sell, understand this, here's the amount of time. And when an engineering team is telling the sales team, no, we can't get that tomorrow, I understand and try to explain that Mm -hmm. because I was in that position. Yeah, yeah. So given that you went through that transition and it was from the pain of being in the development seat and feeling like project management and product wasn't communicating with you well, Mm -hmm. are there things that you try to do now differently, better from what you learned before? Most definitely, most definitely. One of the things is I try to be as clear as possible, Mm -hmm. making sure that I have prototypes, even if it's just a drawing of what it needs to look like, what it needs to feel like, not just describing, you know, just 
anything that comes to my mind, mitigating with sales and business, because we know that for the sales, they want to make their sale. Mm -hmm. And so for them, if a customer comes back and says, can you do this? Like, we can work it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know dev teams have always heard a sales team come back and like, can we do this? I'm pretty sure we can do it. It can't be that hard. And the dev team is like, you just don't understand the code that goes behind that. And so being able to mitigate that, no, 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 wait, we could do it, but it will take quite some time and it's not on the roadmap. Um, It would be something we'd have to interject in the roadmap. Understanding that conversation, going back to engineering team and even pushing them that I know you said that this takes, you know, six weeks. I think you can push it a lot shorter if, you know, you don't have to make it perfect. Let's do it in an agile method where let's see what you come up with first. Let's iterate on that. And then having those conversations on both sides have made it quite easier for me to navigate. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is, I mean, you said you have one investor, but you're mostly bootstrapped. Like the reality is in order for you to succeed as a company, there will need to be things that are sales driven. Absolutely. Especially I think in the business that you're in where (laughs) you got to get those employers to sign up. Absolutely. And we're constantly going out driving for sales. So we're looking at companies, talking to them, talking whether to their hiring teams or diversity teams to implement this with the systems that they're having. I know a lot of people, when we talk to these teams, some of them say, you know what we sponsor. And it's like, it's a little bit more than just sponsoring an event. You know, what is that action that you're actually taking behind that and convincing them that it's something that they need to take? So we are hitting the pavement, especially here in the Boston area where we are, and speaking to a number of companies to, you know, let them know that this is something that it's not just a nice to have, it's actually a need. And we know that people won't see that until that PR fire hits. And I'm like, don't wait until the fire hits. It would be better to have it now. There's so many arguments that you can make. You know, in ThoughtBot, we have a long way to go. We've made a lot of progress over the last, well, we've been in business 15 years, but you know, over the last many years, we've made a lot of progress, but there's so many arguments to why you wanna have a team. And I think it often resonates with product teams that in order to build a product for everybody, mm-hmm. we need a team that reflects yep. the people we're building a product for. That might not be the strongest argument for every company. I I believe in just it's the right thing to do. (laughs) But I think that that often, especially nowadays, seems like that resonates with people. I think it's more than the right thing to do because you can look at a lot of use cases Mm -hmm. where people are putting out products and don't realize that how it disenfranchises women. just because of the way your copy in your product is or don't understand how it disenfranchises somebody with disabilities. How many products have gone out there and not taken into consideration people who are deaf or people who can't really see, not totally blind, but just have, Mm -hmm. you know, people are colorblind. Um, I've actually gone to seminars where we've talked about how to build products for the colorblind. And there is those aspects that you're not going to realize because Everybody in here, mm-hmm. you know, we all see bright colors, we're good. But then you push a product and don't understand what, why this section are not adopting it, even though they fit all the other right requirements of adoption. And it's because, well, these people are colorblind, so they're not seeing the mm-hmm. charts that we've displayed in all the different colors. There has to be different things to make it work. And so 
having a diverse team is necessary just for those aspects. Having a diverse product team is necessary to build products for your entire market unless you are really specific for, guess what, we're only going to sell to this person. If they're out Mm -hmm. of it, we're not selling to anybody else but that. And so I think you have to have it. And that's why I try to, we try to drill into companies that it's not a nice to have. It is something that you need to have if you want to have the best product. Mm -hmm. And we know people are like, well, the thing about recruiting is speed and you know mm-hmm. getting a right candidate quickly because we have these quotas to meet and that's why even with Tech Connection as we built Stoke even though we looked at diversity that was something we also looked at alright that's why we decided we're not going to give you a thousand candidates let's give you a hundred so you can go through them quickly because we understand that that is something that you need but you also need diversity mm-hmm. so it's merging those two things together so that you have yes the general need but also putting in the diversity within that general need. Mm -hmm. So what's the tech stack that you built in? We usually use Mm -hmm. Node.js. Our database is Firebase right now. We've tapered with a few different things in Java, but it's mainly Node. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier on that you were looking at sort of like the next version. So are you anticipating a stack change or going off of Firebase or? Yeah, we're actually looking to build out a few things and we are testing and looking at different, uh, whether it is to move to Amazon or wherever else that we're, we're looking at as we grow and look at different features that we want to do. We research every day the different diversity features that need to go into products. You know, just as I made the example of being, you know, colorblind, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we also are looking into and putting that within our tool, you you know, so we believe that it will change. And that's one of the things I think is the beauty of working on what, what I work on is that it's something that we're learning more and more about because diversity is becoming something that's coming more to the forefront. So there's more and more information about different diverse groups and different people that we can help within these different diverse groups. Mm-hmm. When you think about the challenges in front of you and things you need to do for your product and your business, what are the things that stand out in your mind? Uh, for products, I think the number one challenge we have, and I kind of, I guess, continuously pushed it through this conversation, is that people looking at this as a vitamin over a pill. So a vitamin is, you know, you take it every day, you can't take it just in case you don't really think you need it. If you don't take the vitamin today, it's, it'll be all right. And because people look at it like that, you know, not really something that's super urgent. Mm-hmm. I want to shift that mindset from it's not a vitamin, that it's really something that you need to take. Because a lot of people don't realize the growing pains that happen when you grow a company. And not having diverse people, not just within certain aspects of business, but all aspects of your business. So we're talking about having somebody on your board who is diverse, having your C-level who is diverse, having middle managers who are diverse. Because if you don't have that, that's where a lot of the funnel happens. You know, Mm -hmm. you have a middle manager who doesn't think this is important. So even though the CEO is pushing diversity, it's hard to get it through because they're not going to take time. Or having people in middle management who are trying to push diversity, but the CEO doesn't think it's good. Mm -hmm. So really having it totally across the board is something that I think we're trying to push to people and making sure, no, you need to have it. No, not because to you, you don't see it, but throughout your company, there is. And don't wait until there's an uproar or people are leaving and you're not understanding why you're not retaining these people. And it could be because of diversity. Mm -hmm. So you want people to view it as a pill. 
Yep. We want people to view it as a pill, something that you need right now. Right. Something that you need to have within your system right now. You need to mm -hmm. be using it right now. You need to have diverse candidates in your candidate pool. If you are recruiting and every single candidate comes from the same schools, looks the same, then there there is a problem. You need to be able to diversify that pool. You know, make sure there are some women, some people of color, some LGBTQ people and some veterans, you know, people with disabilities, give them a chance and, and see what it would be like. You'll find some of the most creative people, some of the people with the most grit within those pools. Because, you know, let's be honest, they've gone through a lot more and they've had to fight a lot more. So when they get into a position, into any job, they're the ones who are going to do the investigation. They're going to go over and beyond just to make sure things are done because they've had to fight. And so when you have a diverse pool or you hire a diverse person, you can expect to get that kind of grit. Mm -hmm. I like the idea that from a product perspective, you're, you're seeking out customers. The ideal customers are people who are viewing that they're fixing a real pain, mm -hmm. not just something that's a nice to have. Yep. One of the things that strikes me as something to watch out for with that is like the pill metaphor. People think, okay, well, I'm sick and I take a pill and then yeah. I'm fixed and now I don't need to worry about that anymore. But that's not the case with diversity and inclusion. No. It's a never ending thing. It's no, like a it, chronic. <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a chronic ailment, but it's something that you do need to have. Right. And using the same metaphor, it's once you've taken that, the effects of it will continue. Right. And so implementing our application within your company is something that you will see the benefits of even just having a diverse hiring pool. And it's something that will just continue to grow. And for companies, it's not necessarily a pill just like we take. Pills for companies tend to be a lot longer yeah. <laughs> because yeah. pains for companies right. tend to be a lot longer and greater. And so once you've implemented the application within your company, it's something that will have ramifications throughout the years yeah. because hiring one diverse person gives you a different aspect and a different outlook within the company and then that will lead to hiring more diverse mm. people and then you realize how diverse your company will be and that will lead to different markets yeah. we've had companies who've hired diverse people and then realized by having this person on the team that there's a whole market they weren't even looking at mm -hmm. you know just understanding that way we weren't even looking at the female market who uses this. Mm -hmm. For example, if you are a application that tracks running, for example, mainly you might be doing male runners and working with teams with male shoes, but there's a whole aspect of female runners that are out there that you probably wouldn't consider if you didn't have a female on your team. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're talking about diversity. I know we don't want people to think about it as, you know, it's a charity case. Like, mm -hmm. oh, no, we're helping out. No, no, no. This is a whole market that you might be missing. Mm -hmm. There is a whole market of people who could be using your application that's not using it because they probably don't know about it or the application doesn't fit how they behave. Yeah. And understanding that behavior comes from having a diverse team. Mm -hmm. And I think once you start adding more diversity to your team, you will expose other issues like, oh, we don't yeah. have as inclusive environment or issues of equity and the way that you're, and I don't mean company equity, I mean like equity in pay. Yeah, and Absolutely, <laughs> yes. And so you will need to continually level that up and improve it as you go. And I, I feel like you're never quite done because you can always be better. 
Absolutely. You can always be better with it. With our companies and the history that we're going through, I know there's so much building and so much more we have to do. And just as you said, when you started the company, you know, you really started with your friends, people looked like you, and then you got to a point where it's like, wait, hold on, what do I need to do? And a lot of companies are in that situation. And what's funny is that in the world we live in now, there's so much transparency. And with social media, that blows up really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what you want to do is to make sure that once you have your foundation team, because we understand, you know, I definitely understand that when you start a company or a company is small, it's easier to get people who are your friends because they'll believe in you right away. But starting to grow, that's when you need to start thinking about diversity because to get product market fit, you will need a diverse team to really look at the product Mm -hmm. and understand what you can do. So your team, the Tech Connection team, is on some metrics it has really good diversity in that (laughs) it's pretty much all people of color, right? Uh, No. Some of the people who conduct our workshops aren't. Mm -hmm. We have uh, straight white males. We have white females, people who are Spanish descent, people of color. So we try to be as diverse because we can't be giving them That's what I was going to ask. Coming from your perspective, which I... And don't have, mm-hmm. how do you think about what you want your company to be and how you build a diverse team? We want to have as much diversity as possible. We know that for a lot of what's happening now, people are looking at diversity that they can see. Mm-hmm. And so it's people of color, women, you know, things you can really see and say, okay, yeah, those people are diverse. But we have different aspects of diversity that we want to keep. Like there's religious diversity. You know, you go to different countries, for example, if you you were to go to Israel, you know, being Muslim and living in Israel, that you're diverse. Mm -hmm. You know, here, people who are coming from socioeconomic backgrounds, having a candidate who probably is coming from a lower, you know, socioeconomic background, inviting them out to dinner for an interview, you're thinking you're doing something different. This candidate is worried. I can't pay for this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just trying to get this job. And so understanding those different types of diversity and including that for us within our company is what we do every day because we want to live what we preach. Mm -hmm. And it's better for us because some of the aspects that we have gotten and put into our product came from having that diverse team. So for example, the reason why we don't have names and only have initials came from one of our co-founders having an African name. Mm -hmm. So our co-founder, Frank, his name, if you looked at it, his last name, you can tell automatically Mm -hmm. that it's an African name. And that's where it came up like, wait, we can't even show last names because that will give it away. And so that's why within our platform, you don't get names. And that's why when we look at different schools, we took that away as well, because we've had people who went to community college. We've had people who just had a program and said, wait, but I went to this program. I paid a lot of money for this Python program. I can code Python. When they look and only see that, you know, I went to a single program, they still don't want to hire me. So that's why we decided, are we taking that off? Mm -hmm. And having those people on our team to explain those stories and have those stories for us helps me as the head of product to understand, okay, these are some of the essential features that we need to have. Because to build a diversity product, you have to be diverse. You can't Mm -hmm. build a diversity product and not be diverse. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to work. So if people want to find out more about the product, 
give it a try? Where can they do that? You can go to thetechconnectioninc.com. You can email me at product at thetechconnectioninc.com. You can get all information. We have different events that happen here in the Boston area for employers who just want to talk about diversity. We do have a employer chat, which is a much more intimate chat for employers, for people who just want to talk about diversity, not in a large space, mm-hmm. and get some things off to have that conversations. We have those events. We have events for candidates. But you can get all that information at thetechconnectioninc.com. So if people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to do that? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at GDBars or I am Gareth on Instagram. You can follow me as well. Awesome. You have a really important product that's helping everyone who's listening to this, this industry. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wish you and the rest of the Tech Connection team all the best. Thank you so much for having me. I will say on air that I'm a fanboy of this show, so I'm super (laughs) excited. Thank you so much. That's always great to hear. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at host at giantrobots.fm, and you can find me on Twitter at cpytel. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. ThoughtBot is your expert design and development partner. Let's make your product and team a success.